Chiefs win 10 straight games. That is a franchise record for biggest winning streak. And that is how the Chiefs conclude the regular season. Let that sink in for a moment because after a 1-5 start, it turned into an 11-5 record. Seemed like an insurmountable obstacle, but the Kansas City Chiefs, they found a way to do it. And uh, now they enter the playoffs as the hottest team in the NFL. Not quite the best team, but hey look, in sports, it's all about who has the hot hand. And the Chiefs, they've got the hot hand among the 12 teams this postseason. And that usually bodes well for teams that are coming in hot. I'm Farzim Vasugian. Thank you guys so much for downloading and listening to another edition of the Chiefs Zone Podcast here. If this is your first time listening to the Chiefs Zone Podcast, hey, better be late than never. Welcome into the party because we are just getting started. It is a playoff edition of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Again, be sure you guys do like my Facebook page, Farzim Vasugian. Search it, give it a like. Also, follow me on Twitter at Farzim21. As always, appreciate all the social media activity, interaction. Love talking to you guys, so please do keep that up. And as always, please be sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. This is going to be a jam-packed edition of the podcast. And hey, like I said, it's a playoff edition of the Chiefs on Podcast, so of course it'll be fully loaded and rightfully so. Uh, Just one podcast this week. Uh, In this podcast, we'll of course touch on this past weekend with the Chiefs beating the Raiders and the Broncos defeating the Chargers to come out on top to not only win the AFC West, but to also capture the number one seed and clinch home field advantage throughout the playoffs in the AFC. I also want to touch on DeAnthony Thomas because uh, DeAnthony Thomas, who was placed on season-ending IR, a non-football-related situation, uh, the Chiefs are calling it a personal matter, and a lot of rumors are swirling around the web, which I, I don't like in a situation like this when... It is a personal matter, and there's so much spe- speculation. And and I, I look, listen, in in the media, we've all speculated things, but when it comes to a personal matter, uh, you never know what could be going on. Uh, there, like I said, there are some rumors about what what may have happened and why he's not playing right now. Uh, the Chiefs have been very tight-lipped about this, which is understandable. And I'll touch on that later on. In the podcast, uh, we'll also go around the NFL and do our around the NFL segment. And I'll give you guys my picks for the other three playoff games. One that I think is going to surprise a lot of people. And of course, break down and preview the Chiefs and Texans matchup. Uh, those two teams will play on Saturday afternoon in Houston, 3.35 p.m. Central Standard Time. That game will be broadcast on ABC and ESPN, and that'll be the game that kicks off the NFL postseason. So all eyes on the Chiefs and Texans as they start off the NFL 2016 postseason. But first, let's start with this past weekend. The Chiefs coming away victorious again against the Raiders, putting them off with a season sweep. This is the second time in three years the Chiefs sweep the Raiders. And listen... I know the Chiefs had some success against the Oakland Raiders this year, but trust me, uh, I, I think the rebuilding era, which is the Super Bowl loss that the Raiders had all the way up until this past weekend, that's the rebuilding era. And I think it was complete this past weekend against the Chiefs. Because the Raiders are going to be a force to be reckoned with. I, I really do. I've, I've touched on this before. I, I mentioned this the first time the Chiefs and Raiders played. There are so many talented players on both sides of the football. You've got guys like Derek Carr, Latavius Murray, who was quietly in the top five and rushing for uh, some part of the season and ended up finishing in the top ten, finished six. Uh, kind of a, a, a disappointing start for him. Uh, in the season, but still finishing in the top 10 and rushing a, a pretty big deal for a guy like Latavius Murray. That's part of a an offense that throws the ball a lot, has has some success in the air too. Uh, and as I mentioned, through the air, a great rookie in Amari Cooper, who to me is my offensive rookie of the year. And also a guy like Michael Crabtree. I, I think he is a candidate. I don't think he's going to win, but I think he is a candidate for comeback player of the year. The comeback player of the year goes to players who were injured or away from the game of football, but also to players who may have struggled and didn't do very well uh, once the previous season, but did well the following season. So uh, I, I think he's certainly a top five candidate for that. Just probably won't go to him. I think it's going to, and I know a lot of Chiefs fans, there's some controversy about this as to whether or not 
Adrian Peterson gets it over Eric Berry because it is a sensitive subject because, and not to digress too much, but I've got to be honest with you, I think it ends up going to Adrian Peterson. And look, Eric Berry's played tremendous. If you watch the game of football closely, the eye test will show you that Eric Berry is playing great cover safety this year. Probably the best in the NFL. But the thing is, a lot of times, they're, I mean, you've got to have stats to back up somebody if you want to give them an award like this. And to me, Adrian Peterson, not only does he lead the NFL in rushing yards, he co-leads the NFL in rushing touchdowns. When you're scoring in the NFL, that's huge. And I think that bodes well for you in terms of success and probably even individual awards. And I will say this, and I've said this before, I can see some of the voters Maybe voting a little more emotionally because this is kind of a different situation. We've never had a player be absent for something like this and then come back and have such a great season, uh, but just not necessarily have the statistics. And look, offensive linemen and defensive players, they kind of have it hard because they don't necessarily have those sweet big stats. I mean, sure, as as a guy in the secondary, you can get interceptions. If you're in the front seven, you can get sacks, but... As a defender, it's not just about sacks or interceptions. I mean, there's a lot of stats that aren't available publicly uh, on on most websites, at least. I mean, you can't find it on NFL.com or ESPN's webpage. But statistics like quarterback pressures or quarterback hits, those used to not be available for the longest time. And now there are some websites like Pro Football Focus and Stats LLC that make those public. So I, th- I think you've got to consider that as a, as a guy for Eric Berry. He may not have that award because of certain situations, certain statistics that he may not have to back it up. So I think it ends up going to Adrian Peterson. Nonetheless, I think Chiefs fans are okay with it because he's back. He's playing great football. And, uh, you know, I, I know I got a little off, t- off topic there, but I did want to address that. As far as the Raiders go, you look at the offensive side. Guys like Michael Crabtree and Amari Cooper, two great wide receivers for Derek Carr to throw to. I mean, that offense has really rejuvenated itself, and the Raiders are a much more watchable football team. I know this year they didn't finish above 500, but you know what? I think in 2016, this is a team, along with Kansas City, that is going to compete for the AFC West. There's a lot made of Manning, and whether or not this is his last year, you never know. Maybe he does come back for another year. Uh, but look, even with the way Denver played in the second half of the season, I mean, are they an, uh, a team that will play for an a for a division title next year i mean sure there's the off season so a lot can happen but this raiders team trust me guys this is a team guaranteed if i had to pick one team right now to win the 2016 afc west i'm picking oakland this is a team that has all the tangibles all, all the skill sets to win a division and do more in in in, in the postseason as far as this game goes and listen, with technology now, a lot of people were looking up at the scoreboards, looking at their phones, wondering what was going on with Denver, which obviously Denver came away with the AFC West title and the number one seed, so they beat the Chargers. But when I saw the Chiefs take a 14-0 lead in this game, which which is a great way to start things off in this football game for the Chiefs, I said to myself, keep this route going because the Chiefs have gotten off to good starts but have gotten very quiet. We saw that the previous week with Cleveland, and it happened again this week against the Oakland Raiders. And I was really hoping for that to continue and and turn into a route because at that point, the Chiefs, they could have put in their backups. And listen, we kind of had a little bit of a scare there with Jeremy Macklin, who ended up coming back to play. Mitch Morse, who is currently under the concussion protocol. So uh, his status for the playoff game against the Texans this week is uncertain right now. You want to, and listen, we all know Andy Reid will do it. You want to keep your starters away as much as possible. Andy Reid did it two years ago when he knew there was no way the Chiefs could have gotten a three or a four seed, or could have fell to a six seed. Win or lose, they were going to finish with a five seed. So Andy Reid said, hey, let's go ahead and put the backups in, which was the smartest thing he he did in that game. So I was hoping that could have happened in this game, but the Chiefs got pretty conservative uh, in the second quarter of this game. And 
you know, one of my bigger takeaways and something that some people have touched on, and look, the Alex Smith critics did come out here, uh, but Alex Smith did throw interceptions on back-to-back plays, uh, threw one to TJ Carey in double coverage, which I, I would have to say that that one is on Smith. It's very rare you see someone like Smith throw like that to double coverage. I mean, guys like him, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, Russell Wilson, all similar quarterbacks, they usually don't throw to double coverage like that. So it was very surprising surprising to see Alex Smith do that and uh, try, try to, I believe it was Albert Wilson who he was trying to connect with. And then on the next interception, tried to find Albert Wilson on a route near the sidelines and... David Emerson, who I mentioned in the previous podcast, a player who's really come together as a cornerback, he came away with a pick six, and I, I think that was more just a great play by Emerson. I mean, that interception, uh, a lot of cornerbacks usually don't even go for the bait there. Uh, they, they try to stay away from that, uh, provide a bit of a cushion so that the receiver can be allowed to catch it in a way and then just limit them for no gain. Uh, I think a lot of cornerbacks would have done that, where as Emerson just had that, I mean, he had that killer instinct, hey, I've got to go pick this off and get a touchdown here uh, to put the team on the scoreboard. So good play by Emerson. I I mean, I think Alex Smith has got to learn from that, be aware of cornerbacks that may be able to do that, and I think that comes with film study. But listen, I'm not going to freak out because he threw back-to-back picks. It's not like Alex Smith does this on... A normal occasion. I mean, it's not a common occurrence for Alex Smith to throw back-to-back picks. Some of the best players have thrown back-to-back picks or have committed back-to-back turnovers, which is not a big deal to me. So, I mean, Alex Smith, just he's got to keep doing his thing. It's nothing to really get all crazy about because I think he's going to continue to improve from that and just put that by. I mean, he didn't throw another pick the rest of the game. Of course, came away with a touchdown in the second half, which was good. The Chiefs kind of needed to add a little bit more there. Had they not, uh, could have been bad. Uh, the defense managed to hold strong in the second half. Uh, this defense did not allow a fourth-quarter touchdown since Week 10 all the way through Week 17, which is very impressive, especially how the fourth quarter of the game always gets more intense because teams know that, hey, look, uh, pull out all stops. Certain things may not be working, so we've got we've to... Just a strategy, especially against the Chiefs who have been winning all of their games up to this point. So the Raiders did get a touchdown score on that pass to Crabtree, which was kind of questionable because he did push off and throw down Marcus Peters on that play. But hey, look, missed calls happen all the time in sports. So uh, it, it happens. It's even happened to the Chiefs from time to time. So only one touchdown allowed uh, in the fourth quarter since week 10 or after week 10, I should say, since week 11, really. So it's good to see this Chiefs defense play very well in the second half of the season, late in games, because that is where you win and lose football games, in the second half. And you talk about Andy Reid and what he emphasized last year, trying to finish games, the Chiefs did that a little bit, not to a majority of the time the Chiefs lost games down to the wire last year, this year the Chiefs are dominating and winning games that are coming down close to the wire, and the Chiefs have been in some competitive games, and look, I know they didn't have the toughest schedule in the second half, but they were able to come away with a win against the Denver Broncos, who have arguably the best defense statistically in the NFL, and then you look at Teams like the Buffalo Bills and the Oakland Raiders in the first meeting. Those are teams that were vying for a wild card spot. Maybe a division if the division leaders happened to just collapse, which obviously never happened. But still, they were vying for a playoff spot, as was Kansas City. And Kansas City was the team that came out on top against those two teams. Sure, the Chiefs did it again to the Raiders, but by this time, the Raiders were already done. So for the Chiefs to be able to do this, You've got to tip your cap off to this team. To find a way to come away with 10 straight wins, again, a franchise record. And by the way, because Carolina lost a couple weeks ago to Atlanta, the Chiefs are entering the playoffs with the biggest winning streak in the NFL. They've got the hottest hand out of any of the 12 teams in the postseason right now. So for the Chiefs to be able to do this and finish off, hold off the Raiders, sure, it would have been nice to have a game at Arrowhead Stadium, but... Uh, either way, I, I think Chiefs fans are going to take this. Uh, this is a great opportunity for Kansas City to do something special. And 
this team's come a long way. They've been able to, to find some cracks among some of these teams that they defeated during this 10-game winning streak. And next thing you know, Chiefs are a wildcard team and probably the hottest wildcard team you may see in recent history. Because, and I touch on this last episode of the Chiefs on podcast. I'll touch on it again in case you didn't hear it. In the nine games the Chiefs played away from Arrowhead Stadium, eight road games and one neutral site game in London against the Lions, the Chiefs finished with a 6-3 and three record. So away from Arrowhead, and even at Arrowhead this year, with the exception of two games, the Chiefs have played very well. And with possession of the number five seed, it's unlikely the Chiefs will have a game at Arrowhead Stadium unless they play the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have the sixth seed. This is a perfect storm for a wildcard team like the Chiefs. In those nine games the Chiefs won, they had a positive 91-point differential as opposed to a positive 27-point differential at home. And if you look at the Chiefs on the road, the offense is averaging 29 points per game. That is really good on the road. I'll take 29 points per game any day on the road. And on the defensive side, the Chiefs have surrendered just 18.8 points per game on average in nine games away from Arrowhead. Eight road games and one neutral site game at Wembley Stadium. So the Chiefs, and by the way, that 18.8 points per game, that's very close to Kansas City's season total average through 16 games with 17.9 points allowed per game. So you see the Chiefs and just how well they're playing on the road. So going to Houston and going to Denver or New England, depends on what happens with Pittsburgh. But overall, this is a very dangerous Chiefs team. If I'm Houston or if I'm New England and Denver, and listen, let's be honest, fans for those two teams in New England and Denver they're going to be watching wildcard games this weekend saying, okay, I, I, I definitely would rather face this team in the divisional round. Let's face it, fans from those two teams don't want to face Kansas City. Sure, you can make everything you want about that 10-game winning streak, but look at why the Chiefs have a 10-game winning streak. I, I read you the stats of how the Chiefs play on the road, scoring 29 points per game and allowing fewer than 19 points per game on average in these away games. And of course... 6-3 and three record. That's pretty convincing to me that this is a very dangerous team that teams want to stay away from. And listen, I'll, I'll acknowledge 2010 and 2013 for just a moment because the Chiefs did get into the postseason by getting through an easy schedule. They didn't have any quality wins. Sure, in 2013, the Chiefs did beat the Eagles, but that was a team led by Mike Vick. And when they switched to Nick Folds, that's when the team started to become more productive. And started to win more games under Chip Kelly at the time, who of course is no longer the head coach there. So when you see that right there, it's hard to to vision the Chiefs coming away with a playoff win from a general standpoint. Because they didn't have any quality wins in the regular season. This year, the Chiefs have proven a lot to us. Ten games in a row, you cannot fluke your way. And look, even with the way that what, what the Chiefs did in 2010 and uh, 2013... That's, to me, that was not a fluke there because people still did not see that coming. A lot of those teams the Chiefs beat, people still thought the Chiefs would have lost to those teams. And this year, none of us saw that 10-game winning streak happening. A lot of us wrote off this team, including me. I, I'm not going to hide from it. But to see what the Chiefs did to at least even put themselves in this position to be able to make it to the playoffs, it feels pretty good. And as Chiefs fans, you've got to love what you're seeing with the effort and just the way this team is playing on both sides of the football, more so on the defensive side. I think the offense, you could could touch on some of the concerns there, but I think what we saw in 2013 when that offense kind of had a quiet ending, scoring only seven points uh, in Week 16 against the Colts. Obviously, the starting offense didn't play in Week 17, uh, but... You know, as I mentioned a couple podcast episodes ago, the Chiefs scored just seven points against the Colts at home, and then two we- less than two weeks later on the road in the wild card game, score forty four points. So, 
you never know with Andy Reid's offense sometimes. I, I, I'm sure. And listen, I know what a lot of people are going to say. You play to win the game. You've got to go out there and give it 100% every time, which I agree with. However, when you have a playoff spot locked up and you don't have anything really big to fight for, and listen, I, let's be honest, we, we know this is the NFL, but I think we all expected the Broncos to finish on top against the Chargers. In those situations, you do not, when you have a playoff spot locked up and you know that there's a very good chance that you're going to be going on the road instead, you don't want to put things on film for playoff teams to see. You want to be, you know, going stealth mode as much as possible. Keep your secrets, keep your weapons hidden. Don't let the opposing team know what you have in your arsenal. And I think come this Saturday, against the Houston Texans, we'll see this Chiefs team really blow it up. And this offense will score more than they have in the past couple of games against the Browns, scoring just 17 points, and against the Raiders, scoring just 23. Whereas on the road, the Chiefs are just lighting up the scoreboard. So I think we're going to see a much different Chiefs team this weekend in the playoffs compared to the last couple games, especially at home. When they're on the road, this is a pretty stout and elite Chiefs team. And I don't think anyone wants any part of this Chiefs team when they're playing a game at home. One quick thing, the Chiefs are going to be without DeAnthony Thomas, wide receiver and return specialist for the Chiefs. A lot is being made out of this. He had a concussion earlier this year, uh, was out for a bit, and he was cleared to play. His agent had reportedly spoke out uh, to someone in the media or maybe it was a group I, I don't remember which but had, t- had touched on how you could expect Anthony Thomas to to be available I guess and we just heard his name be listed on the inactive list and not at practice we, uh, not, Andy Reid not even knowing if he's in the building Andy Reid touched on how it's a personal matter Clark Hunt who spoke on Sunday before the game uh, basically echoed Reid's comment saying it's a personal matter uh, Andy Reid said something to the effect of how John Dorsey is handling the situation, which we don't know what the situation is. Uh, and I think a lot of people are wondering, where's, when is John Dorsey going to speak? Obviously, we, we heard from Clark Hunt this past weekend. And it'd be nice to hear from the general manager. Now, of course, had the season ended, there would be that season-ending press conference with the general manager, the owner, and the head coach all together in the same room. But... Uh, or maybe separately, who knows how the Chiefs would do it, but uh, a lot of people are kind of curious about DeAnthony Thomas. Now, as I said, there are rumors swirling around the internet that because of the concussion and, and what may have happened, and maybe the movie might have done something, Maybe who knows at this point? Honestly, I don't even know. I, I was planning on seeing the movie uh, Concussion with Will Smith, but I heard it's really not that great. Of a, it's more of a miss, so uh, you know, I, I'm not big on spending money on a movie that's not too good and logically so uh so i didn't i didn't didn't really go see it but a lot of people are talking about that movie and how it's impacted some of these guys mentally and i I don't know if that's the case I, i i would have to see the movie i guess and some people are speculating that d'anthony thomas may retire after playing just one year and not being able to complete his second season full, the way he would have liked to. And if he is going, if he really is, if the rumors are true that he wants to stop playing football, I can understand. I, I think maybe when you get hurt, suffer a concussion, and go through all that protocol and whatnot, it's not a fun process. Maybe something clicked in his head. Maybe he realized maybe this is not what I want to do. If, if that's the case, I completely understand. Nonetheless, whatever that personal matter is that the Chiefs are saying is why he's no longer available for the rest of the season. I hope it gets situated soon and that he's okay. Because that's the number one thing. You want to make sure this person's okay. And you never know what exactly this person could be dealing with. Maybe it's a family issue. Hopefully not. Maybe it's really not a football issue in that he's got something going on in his personal life. That it's quite honestly none of our business what it is. And... All we should really think about is whether or not you know he'll be okay, and hopefully that will be the case. So 
you know, in these situations, uh, a team will always have their players back and will try to help them as much as possible. So I trust that the Chiefs will do that. I do, however, find it a little strange that the Chiefs said one thing and his agent said something else and we, we just didn't see a matching story there. So I think I think we're going to end up finding out why DeAnthony Thomas is not playing. I, I think we'll learn something uh, within the next couple of months in the offseason. I, I think it'll happen after the Chiefs are done playing, which hopefully is not until after the first week of February. Because that, of course, means good things in the Super Bowl. Uh, nonetheless, hopefully, really though, hopefully everything is okay with DeAnthony Thomas because you, you never want to see a guy deal with personal issues and have to step away from work because of a personal matter, whether it's football-related or not. Uh, maybe it's a concussion. Maybe he's got something going on personally in his life. Uh, you never know. So you've got, you've got to respect the privacy and uh, provide some space and um, just hope for the best, and hopefully he can come back and play football because uh, this is a guy who the Chiefs could really use. I, I expected some special things from him this year, which I think he could have done coming off a good rookie season as a return man. And uh, it's a... Uh, it's sad to see that he didn't have the opportunity to be able to add on after a good rookie season and doing it in his sophomore year in the NFL with the Chiefs. We're going to get to our Chiefs and Texans prediction later on in this podcast. I'll also give you my prediction for the other three playoff games. But first, before we do that, let's go around the NFL. All right, the first story I want to talk about, and this came out on Twitter early Sunday morning, and uh, some some interesting stories have unfolded over the last couple of days with this, but Johnny Menzel was spotted in Las Vegas. Now look, the Browns said that he's going to be inactive and that they are quote-unquote done with him. So to me, I didn't see the big deal. I mean, it, look, if... If the Browns have no obligation to you, if you are inactive and the Browns say that they are done with you, and if you're not practicing with them, look, I mean, who am I to judge? He's he's 21 or over 21. So I didn't see the big deal with this until it was said that he was in Vegas and should have been meeting with a trainer, checking on his injury, his concussion. And by the way, there was a report from CBS that he was in Vegas with a wig and a fake mustache. So, also trying to hide his identity. Which, obviously, didn't work because they found out he was in Vegas. Go figure. Johnny Menzel being Johnny Menzel. Listen, uh, I heard Brady Quinn talk about this on Fox Sports Radio. And he said that he would be ashamed if he was still playing in the NFL, dealt with an injury, was out partying in Vegas, and the owner tells the team, Hey, look. Your quarterback, one of the quarterbacks on this team, missed his meeting with the trainer because he was in Vegas. If Johnny Menzel ever wants to start in the NFL again as a quarterback, and look, starting in the NFL is a big deal. You've got to be able to prove yourself as a leader. Leaders cannot be out there partying in Vegas when really they should be with the team. Again, I understand the Browns are done with him. They're, of course, done with Mike Pettin, and they're moving on, but... If anyone wants to take Manziel seriously, you've got to see more from Manziel than a partier in Vegas. Last story I wanted to touch on, and I think this one is a surprise to a lot of people. To me, it's really not. Although I saw the possibility of this, I'm looking at Chuck Pagano, head coach of the Colts. And there were reports going into Week 17 that the Colts were going to fire him unless the Colts made it to the playoffs. To me, why would you fire Chuck Pagano just for one bad season? It's the same thing I was asking Chiefs fans when they wanted Andy Reid gone after a 1-5 start. One bad season and Chiefs fans are done with Andy Reid? One bad season! Chuck Pagano went 11-5 each of his first three years. Now, I should say, of course, one of those years was taken over by Bruce Arias because Chuck Pagano had some personal matters with his health. But still, eleven and still did go eleven and five back to back years as a full time head coach, and to go eight and eight 
for one season. By the way, your starting quarterback who was struggling got injured. Your backup quarterback got hurt. And then your other backup quarterback, I mean, you ended up having Josh Freeman play for you in Week 17. This is a team that was decimated by injuries and still finished 8-8. Eight and eight. You cannot fault a head coach for one, not even a bad season. It was a mediocre season. The Colts are one of the better teams in the National Football League. Look, I had them in the Super Bowl this year against the Giants, which obviously that's not going to happen because neither of those teams are in the playoffs. But still, you cannot criticize a guy for just one, again, I don't want to say bad season, a below expectation season. I'll call it that. Same thing with Andy Reid, what I said to Chiefs fans. One bad year and you're done with Andy Reid? I mean, let's not forget, Andy Reid took a, a two-win football team and turned them into a 9-0 team, the last team to lose a game. So I think a lot of times in sports, we get so we, we forget about the good and focus so much on the bad. I mean, unless the Colts were losing every game, 49 nothing. okay, yeah, well, we, we've got to talk about something there. But that was never the case for the Colts. An 8-8 eight and eight season when you've had so many injuries under center. I'll take an 8-8 eight and eight season on a down year like that. Especially with so many injuries that have occurred this year in the NFL, especially on the AFC side of things, which I'll mention in a moment. But going 8-8... Eight and eight, Listen, I, I say that's like a just a survivor's mentality right there. Being able to do that when you are down to your fourth and fifth quarterbacks of the season. The Colts had all three quarterbacks inactive going into Week 17, which was crazy because, you, of course, you would have loved to have Andrew Luck or Matt Hasselbeck fighting for a playoff spot, but uh, still found a way to finish 8-8 eight and eight short of a playoff appearance. Uh, hopefully everyone can recover in the offseason and come back strong next year because I guarantee you, uh, keeping Chuck Pagano and giving him that extension, that's a good move by Jim Irsay and that Colts front office because Chuck Pagano has not had a season below 500. If he has a season below 500, we can talk about a possible firing, sure, and replacing him, but he hasn't even had a bad season yet. Let's let someone fail first, then we can discuss firing them. A look at the playoffs this weekend. Chiefs and Texans do get things underway for the NFL postseason, but after that, you've got the Steelers and the Bengals. A.J. McCarron will start instead of Andy Dalton. And I've got to tell you, that Steelers team, what they did to Chris Harris, that, that connection with Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown, I really like what I've seen with this Steelers offense. Uh, doing that to Chris Harris, who in my opinion is the best cornerback in the National Football League. The Steelers passing attack, a major threat in the AFC and in the NFL too. And I think they have the best offense in the AFC right now. I still think the best offense overall in the NFL right now, I would give it to maybe a team like New England or Arizona. I'll even throw... The team like Carolina out there because they've been winning games, 15-1. But overall, with that talent right there the Steelers have, I mean, listen, I think the Patriots are right behind them for best offense, but this this is Steelers team, the passing attack. Even they've been hurt with that Le'Veon Bell injury, but like I said last week, maybe that Le'Veon Bell injury made him even better because it's made him pass more, and that's turned Antonio Brown into a dominant beast as a receiver. So I, I've got to say, I really like the Bengals' defense and everything they've done this year. But if the Steelers can do what they did to Denver's defense, they can do it to any defense in the NFL. So I've got the Steelers going on the road, beating the Bengals. Bengals haven't won a playoff game in 26 years. We know about that in Kansas City because it's been nearly 22 years. But I don't think I, I think for the Bengals that drought, unfortunately, will continue. And the NFC side of things on the Sunday games. Marshawn Lynch reportedly will be ready to go. Adrian Peterson, uh, who again has been great this year, uh, I said earlier, leads the league in rushing yards and co-leads the NFL in rushing touchdowns. I think it's going to come down to the team that's going to have the better running back. And Marshawn Lynch hasn't played since week 10. Uh, I think Teddy Bridgewater, he's also played very well. Uh, looking at the Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson, I, I think you've got a couple similar quarterbacks here in terms of their style and the way 
They like to run the ball from time to time, use their feet. Uh, I think I think a team like the Vikings come, come away with this one at home. You got that big win on Sunday Night Football against the Packers to win the North and have a home game in the playoffs. So I think the Vikings definitely have to take advantage of that. And uh, I think Adrian Peterson's going to be able to do some damage on this Seahawks defense as good as it is. Uh, I don't think it's good enough to hold Adrian Peterson down. And I think the Vikings come away with, come away with a win there. Packers and Redskins. This is a game that I think a lot of people will be surprised by. The Packers started off 6-0 and but have now gone 4-6 and in the playoffs and have slipped so badly since that bye week. Whereas the Chiefs, they've been winning since their bye, even before their bye week started winning. The Redskins, by the way, entered the playoffs with a four-game winning streak, winning six of their last eight as well. Listen, Kirk Cousins has not been touched on, talked about much, and I think it's because the NFC East is a very bad division. But I like what Kirk Cousins done this year. I mean, barely outside of the top ten in touchdown passes, who has he has twenty nine touchdowns and eleven interceptions, has a quarterback rating of one hundred one point six, had the best quarterback rating of any NFL quarterback in the second half of the NFL season. So I really like what I'm seeing from Kirk Cousins, and I think there are some. Highlights with this defense, too, that can make some good plays here. Whereas the Packers, you don't have that reliable defense. So I think Kirk Cousins is going to do some damage on this Packers defense. I think this is going to be the upset one. Even though the Redskins are at home, a lot of people will, will probably still put their money on Green Bay. when you have, Especially when you have Aaron Rodgers, I understand. But for the Redskins, gosh, being at home, and with the way Kirk Cousins has been playing lately, and the team overall... I like the Redskins in this game. I, I think the Redskins are going to pull off an upset, and I think it's going to be by uh, by at least two possessions, which will surprise a lot of te- a lot of people uh, in this uh, wild card round. And I think it's going to be a crazy way to end the wild card round of the playoffs. Now, before I get to the Chiefs and Texans game, I do want to touch on one thing uh, with uh, offensive coordinator Doug Peterson, who uh, it was reported that he was the top candidate for the Eagles job. Now, of course, under Andy Reid, he was an offensive assistant, so he's very familiar with the Eagles' front office. Uh, But it's also been reported that it's not the case. Now, listen, when it comes to head coaching hirings and interviews and who's a candidate, who's not, there are going to be so many names thrown out there as a quote-unquote top candidate. Uh, I, I think with Doug Peterson's name thrown out there, I think he is a candidate. I don't know if he's the top candidate. I think there are several other options out there. You've got you guys like Sean Payton. Some people want to talk about Mike Holmgren even coming back. Mike Shanahan coming back. I think there are other options out there. But sure, you love familiarity in the NFL. So I can understand if Doug Peterson is a option. Uh, so I think he, he's going to get some interviews. He's definitely going to get some calls. So I think uh, maybe he'll feel those opportunities. Listen. Uh, in this world, when you're an assistant, uh, I mean, an offensive coordinator, your goal is to move up. So I, I'm sure Doug Peterson would love the, that opportunity. Uh, whether or not he thinks he's ready is another thing. Uh, but I'm sure he'll do what's best for him. And uh, you, listen, if he takes a job, you can't blame him for that. Every guy, every assistant coach wants to get to that po- point at some time in their careers. For now, he is the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs. And uh, who knows who'll, who'll replace him if he does leave. Uh, maybe we'll do a podcast on that because I do have a list of candidates as far as wh- who the Chiefs could bring in as the next offensive coordinator if he does leave. We'll save that for a podcast another time, though, because we'll break down this game right here. The Chiefs and the Texans. Both teams, by the way, great turnarounds midseason. Andy Reid and Bill O'Brien, if anything, They've taught us a lot. One thing they've taught us is that this can be done, quote-unquote, overnight. Both teams were written off midseason. The Chiefs and the Texans find a way to bounce back, and uh, I I really hate to see these two teams play each other. One of their great turnaround seasons will come to an end, and uh, hopefully it's not Kansas City. Chiefs have not won a playoff game in 22 years Last playoff win was at Houston, but a different Houston team. It was the Houston Oilers. The Houston Texans were not in existence at the time. Texans, by the way, 2-2 two and two all-time in the playoffs. They have not lost a postseason game in the wildcard round. Those two losses have come 
in the divisional round for the Texans. Looking on the offensive side for the Texans, Brian Hoyer expected to play, but uh, you're going to need those backups there. Brandon Whedon, B.J. Daniels. Uh, Whedon did start a couple of games, one for the Texans. Uh, T.J. Yates played as well, but uh, not available for the Texans. Uh, Brian, or, uh, pardon me, uh, Ryan Mallett uh, was also uh, a starter for a little bit for the Texans. Now he's a starter for the Baltimore Ravens, uh, which is kind of interesting. Uh, Ryan Mallett has started for two teams this year. Brandon Whedon, who's replaced Mallett, he's started for two teams this year as well. Started for the Cowboys a little bit, and then, of course, was replaced by former Chiefs starting quarterback Matt Castle. So, kind of crazy how it just works out in the NFL, especially with how crazy it's been this year with injuries and quarterback carousels. So many quarterback changes around the NFL during the season, too. But uh, overall, in terms of just the talent on this team right now, when you look at the Texans and what they have, and listen, I, I know... J.J. Watt. I mean, everyone thinks of J.J. Watt when they hear the Texans, but this game, the biggest difference maker is going to be that offensive line for Houston because Dwayne Brown, who was voted into the Pro Bowl as an alternate, as a left tackle, has been playing really well, has allowed just four sacks this season, has not allowed a lot of uh, defensive players to slip through and go after the quarterback, whoever that's been for the Texans uh, in different games this year, but Suffers a quad injury, is going to have surgery, so he's done for the season. So, at left tackle for the Houston Texans, going to be Chris Clark. And he is worth noting because he did face the Chiefs once, and that was in uh, the 2013 season when he was a member of the Denver Broncos. The reason that's notable, uh, that's when the Broncos handed the Chiefs their first loss of the season that year, and Chris Clark started at left tackle for the Broncos in that game. And did very well as a pass blocker uh, going up against that inferior duo of Justin Houston, Tom Bahali. Everyone thought those guys were going to go out there and give Peyton Manning a lot of trouble. But Peyton Manning, his jersey was clean in that game. And Chris Clark didn't allow a quarterback sack, uh, nor a quarterback hit. Allowed a couple of hurries, which will happen, especially when you have an elite defense like that. But Chris, Chris Clark held his own right there. And if I'm not mistaken, the Broncos did give him the game ball. After that game for just a great job uh, blocking uh, those guys, uh, that that Kansas City defense that year. uh, Still really the same defense. Now, a couple years later, new coaching staff. Things are different. Uh, Is this the same Chris Clark uh, that you're going to see again? So, you never know. I mean, times have changed, and Chris Clark has been really bad this year, struggling. In fact, he's already allowed four sacks this year, which is what Dwayne Brown had allowed. So, Dwayne Brown's absence is going to be huge, especially if Justin Houston is available. Tom Bahali did play limited snaps, though, for Tom Bahali. Justin Houston, he has been practicing lately. They kept him out for this past week. Maybe he could have been available if the Chiefs needed to win to make the playoffs, but... Look, you want to keep your guys healthy in those situations. It wasn't a desperate situation for the Chiefs having a playoff spot locked up. But just now you're in that situation where it's win or go home. So if Justin Houston, I mean, if, if he's okay, he's good to go and nothing bad, then I think the Chiefs are going to give him the green light and have him start against Chris Clark in this game. And that's going to be a disaster matchup for him. I mean, and sometimes if those guys go to the other side, and let's not forget D. Ford and Frank Zambo, those guys also pulled through well for the Chiefs lately, uh, filling in for Houston and Holly. Now, still, you've got to keep in mind if you're Kansas City, if you're Kansas City, that defense has to be ready and put a lot of pressure because if Brian Hoyer has time, he's going to connect with one of the top receivers this year and a guy who had more offensive snaps as a wide receiver than any player this season, and that's DeAndre Hopkins, who's really just been tremendous this season uh, for for the. Houston Texans, part of the reason why the Houston Texans have been so good in coming back this year. He's got 11 touchdown grabs this year. That ties for 6th in the NFL, uh, just right behind Eric Decker and Odell Beckham Jr. and a couple of players uh, tying for 1st in the NFL. Doug Baldwin, Brandon Marshall, and Allen Robinson from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Each of them had 14 touchdowns this year. So this is a guy who the Chiefs have definitely got to keep an eye on. Sean Smith and Marcus Peters, Marcus Peters, whose coverage has improved as the season's gone along during his rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year run. Uh, 
but you're going to need some safety help too. I, I mean, it's not going to be just the cornerbacks that get it done. I think you're going to need he- some help from Eric Berry. If Hussein Abdullah is going to be available, Rod Parker has still played well. So has Tyvon Branch. Those guys have really stepped up lately, filling in for Hussein Abdullah. So the Chiefs are going to definitely need to keep an eye on DeAndre Hopkins, who has been very good for the Texans this season, especially in the second half of the stretch when the Texans got things going, just like the Chiefs did in their second half of their season. Now, you've got to give a lot of credit to Houston's defense, too, because that's also carried them during the second half. You look at J.J. Watt, who's on his way to winning another Defensive Player of the Year award. As a 3-4 defensive end, he really just impresses me. 17 and a half sacks leading the league. 3-4 defensive end. Not an easy thing to do as a 3-4 defensive end. As a 3-4 outside linebacker, yeah, sure, that's easy to do. I mean, Justin Houston had 22 last year, but J.J. Watt, uh, the things he does as a 3-4 D.E., it really amazes me. You've also got Brian Cushing, who leads the team in tackles with 110. Uh, some of the things, though, on this defense, Whitney Marcellus and John Simon, the outside linebackers for the Texans, those two together, Marcellus has 12 sacks, Simon has five. And don't forget about Jadavian Clowney, who also has four and a half for the Texans. These are guys who have also accompanied J.J. Watt this year. And I've also, listen, J.J. Watt gets all the credit and all, all the spot, all the lights shine on him. Never goes to Whitney Marcellus or any, anybody else. And those guys have got to be accounted for as well. And with Kansas City's offensive line that's been kind of banged up throughout the year, especially right now with the center position uncertain right now, if Z- uh, uh, Mitch Morris is not available, maybe Zach. Fulton ends up starting at center for the Chiefs, uh, and Morse was pretty upset uh, when he was being taken off the field by the trainers, and look, it, it, the, you've got to follow the concussion protocol. Uh, the team would be at fault if they didn't, uh, and that's a that's just a tough thing to deal with, but nonetheless, with this offensive line right now, it is kind of scary to, to wonder how, how they'll do against Kansas City. We saw J.J. Watt get to Alex Smith a couple of times earlier this year when he was going up against Ja Reed. And in the secondary, too, this Houston Texans defense, they, I mean, they've got some guys. Jonathan Joseph, who's been in the league for, I believe, 10 years now, played for the Bengals for the first half of his career, and now with the Houston Texans, uh, has a pick this year, and has really just played... Solid coverage all year long. In fact, Pro Football Focus ranks him the fifth best cornerback in the NFL. Safeties, though, not too great for the Houston Texans. In fact, their uh, best safety, this uh, might ring a bell, Quinton Demps, who recently did have a defensive touchdown. Uh, but, you know, this is not a defense that really has a lot of threats outside of Jonathan Joseph in the secondary. So I think this is a defense that Kansas City should be able to to, to handle and do pretty well against. To finish off the Texans right now, and again, this has been a really different Texans team in week one versus right now going into the wildcard round, but special teams, uh, nothing too threatening for the Chiefs really to handle. Uh, Nick Novak, former Kansas City Chiefs, 17 of 20 field goals this year, uh, rated one of the worst kickers in the NFL. Texans had Bullock earlier this year, now have Novak. Uh, finishing up as the kicker for the season. Shane Leckler, also one of the worst punters uh, for the NFL this season, uh, rated one of the worst. And this is all from Pro Football Focus, who have rated both Novak and Leckler as uh, the the bottom five kickers and punters, respectively, in the NFL this season. The return specialist, kick returner, and punt returner, he does them both. Uh, Keith Mumphrey, Quentin Demps, one of the backups there. Of course, he had a special teams touchdown for the Chiefs when he was here in 2013. Cecile Schwartz, also one of the guys, the backup punters for Houston. So, special teams, nothing too big. Uh, Offensively, without Dwayne Brown, I think that could hurt DeAndre Hopkins. I, I really do. If Brian Hoyer doesn't have time to get the ball to DeAndre Hopkins, if Justin Houston or D Ford, whoever it ends up being, and then you have Tom Mahali on the other side, and you've got everyone else on this defensive line that's played really well. Guys like DeVito, Bailey, Howard, and of course, Antari Poe anchoring the, uh, from the middle there. This is a defense that's going to give Houston a very hard time on the offensive side of the football. And as far as the defensive side, I think Alex Smith will have some problems in this game. Uh, you, like I said, you, you've got some great pass rushers in this game that are, are going to be 
going up against a bang-up offensive line. So, J.J. Watt and Whitney Marcellus, uh, those guys are probably going to have a good day against Kansas City's offensive tackles. Uh, against Ja Reed, Donald Stevenson, uh, Eric Winston, the guys that end up playing uh, the two tackles. I, obviously, you can't have three of them start, but uh, listen, there, there may even be situations where the Chiefs, and again, this goes into the X's and O's, where they have a package where maybe if Ja Reed starts in, instead of Donald Stevenson, maybe Donald Stevenson comes in as a tight end, as an eligible receiver, and serves as an extra blocker. Because And Travis Kelsey may end up doing it a lot, too. Because, look, let's face it, you, you'll probably have to do it quite a bit against this defense that has a, a very good group of pass rushers. I mean, this is kind of an underrated group, again, because J.J. Watt gets all the praise, but... This is up there with Justin Houston and Tom Bahali and the duo of Von Miller and Demarcus Ware. I think Kansas City can still get some scores in this game. Uh, I, I think their defense is better suited than Houston's defense. Uh, I, I think there's just more talent uh, up front with the defensive line, the linebackers, and in the secondary when you compare compare that to Houston. On the offensive side, I think if Alex Smith takes care of the football, again, I, I think he'll get sacked a few times in this game, but if he takes care of the football, I think the Chiefs can come out alive in this one and survive and come away, come away with a two-possession win. It'll be Kansas City's first postseason win in nearly 22 years. I've got the Chiefs winning in this one, 28-14. Kansas City moves on to play either Denver or New England. And since I predicted that the Steelers would win against the Bengals, that means the Chiefs would face the number two seed and that the Patriots would get the number six seed, the lower seed, since, or pardon me, uh, no, the Broncos actually have the number one seed, so the Chiefs would end up visiting the Patriots. Correction on, on my part there. So basically I'm predicting the Chiefs will visit the New England Patriots in the following weekend, but got to take a one game at a time for now. Hopefully the Chiefs can handle the Houston Texans and end up having that matchup later against the Patriots. Hope you guys enjoyed this playoff edition of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. I'm Farzine Vesugian. Thank you guys so much for downloading and listening to this podcast. Be sure you subscribe on iTunes. Search for my Facebook page, Farzine Vesugian. Give it a like and also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Thank you guys again for listening throughout the season and listening to the playoff edition of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Hopefully we can continue it next weekend and talk about a potential Chiefs versus Patriots or Broncos matchup. I've got to say, I think a lot of people are hoping for a Broncos matchup. So we'll see nonetheless. Enjoy your weekend. Hopefully the Chiefs win, and we will be back here next week.